you just feel like you're locked in listening to the vocalist and the music is literally like the soundtrack to like a movie almost. That's what it feels like almost. The singer is the narrator and the band is doing the sound design. Welcome back to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David, my friend is Aaron, and this episode is Aaron chatting with Steve Kobuchi of Wolves at the Gate. Of course, their latest record, Eulogies, is out now on Solid State Records. Just came out uh, in February, so last month, if you're listening to this when this episode comes out. Uh, if you haven't listened to that record yet, I would highly encourage you to go do so, especially you know if you're a fan of metalcore in any sort of way. I'm going to assume, though, if you're here listening to a Wolves at the Gate episode, uh, chances are you're already a fan of the band Wolves at the Gate. Uh, but if you are new to them, they've been around for a little while now, uh, hanging out on Solid State Records, releasing. Uh, they've got five full-length albums dating back to 2012, their record Captors. Uh, and then, like I said, Eulogies is their latest. All on Solid State Records. You can go check them out. This episode is Steve sharing five of his favorite Wolves at the Gate songs. Of course, Steve plays guitar and his vocals in the band. Uh, so this this is this is a good one. If you if you haven't listened to the record, it's a banger. Before we get into the episode, uh, let's do some housekeeping. Go follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Growing Punk Pod. You'll find the links to our personal Twitters and Instagrams there as well. And, uh, you know, we, we've started doing some some merch giveaways just this past week. We did a vinyl giveaway a couple weeks ago. Uh, the vinyl giveaway was for uh, the band Audio Karate, who, of course, was our guest last week. A couple weeks ago, we did a giveaway uh, of some merch for uh, the band Nicholas Rage. They were our radio radio episode this past week. All sorts of great stuff. Go follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Wherever you listen to the podcast, rate it, review it, because uh, those ratings and reviews will help recommend the show to other people who, you know, listen to podcasts in kind of the same the same world. You can also share it directly with your friends, of course. That's an incredible way to help us out. If you've got friends who are fans of the band or you think they might enjoy this episode or even any of our past episodes, share it with them and uh, help grow the show a little bit. Without further ado, though, let's hop into it. Oh, I should say links to our like merch and Patreon and stuff like that. And we've got weekly playlists that I update on of new singles on Apple Music and Spotify. All that kind of stuff is found at the link in our social media bio. So if you want to check out everything we've got going on, that's how you're going to do it. So let's get into it. Without further ado, this is Aaron chatting with Steve of Wolves at the Gate about his five favorite Wolves at the Gate songs. Can you see the Yeah, so let's uh, kind of start maybe from uh, maybe an earlier age. What's one of the earliest memories that you have of <clears throat> of wanting to to play music as a career? Um, 
I think, I think, uh, it was hearing that's crazy. No one's ever asked me like my earliest memory of that. So I'm trying to think what that was. And I, the first thing I think of was, uh, when I heard basket case by green day, um, and I like just started, you know, fiddling with the guitar and I realized that I could learn how to play that song and it blew my mind that I could know how to play something that I thought sounded so great, you know? And so it just kind of like opened up like this door, you know, in my brain for creativity and, you know, making, making music didn't seem so, um, like out of, out of reach. So, yeah. Well, I think that's what, I mean, that was such an influence, influential album for many, I think because of that, right? Like lots of people, if they got into, you know, maybe classic rock or hair metal or things that seemed a little kind of more grandiose versus, you know, like, you know, you watch the music video, you can see kind of how easy it is. There's no guitar solos or yeah. crazy parts. And so I think that's why that album struck a chord with so many. Plus they were just kind of, you know, grungy guys that it was like, oh, okay, well, if that guy can do it and they're on MTV and, you know, selling millions of albums and whatever, like, yeah, I I love that about, you know, especially bands like that, that, that you know, people get into at a, at a younger age, it kind of helps them to, to see that. So that's, yeah, that's really cool. And at that point, were you playing guitar already? Yeah, not, not, um, not very well. Um, I, cause I just taught myself how to play, like my mom showed me how to play Kumbaya on the acoustic. And that was the extent of, of her, uh, guitar knowledge. And I was just kind of like, all right, well, <laughs> I want something more than this. And yeah. I was really into, at that point, I was really into classic rock. I was into, I, I was like, it was like all things Led Zeppelin. I just okay. love, but like you said, that guitar playing seems so out of reach to me. Cause you know, yeah, I mean, Jimmy Page is like a virtuoso. And so, um, yeah. And you know, Metallica, I loved Metallica and it, that seemed, you know, I started trying, learning how to play Enter the Sandman and I got, only got as far as the intro and I was like, oh, I, <laughs> I, I'm not quite ready for this. Yeah. And, uh, but eventually I stumbled my way into obviously like every guitarist, you play Metallica poorly and you get better at it and you still play it poorly, but you think it sounds good, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So what was the transition of, of kind of coming to that realization that, okay, I can, you know, play guitar or you know, to, I want to actually do this and I can maybe have, you know, an opportunity to, you know, to be in a band and to influence others, or was it more simple of just, I have friends that play music, so let's get together. Kind of what were those thoughts, you know, coming together? Yeah. I mean, I just, I wanted to just play with other people. Uh, and I, I, I really struggled to, to make that happen, you know, because a lot of, a lot of the people I knew, I was the I was the guy that listened to weird music. And so I struggled one to find guys that liked the same music I did, but then fi then finding them and then them wanting to play in a band together. And that honestly didn't happen until Wolves at the Gate. So I, I didn't really have any band that I played in until then. And so I basically like wrote songs from when I was sixteen to twenty one um without a band and just kept just writing songs because I love doing it. And mm. eventually, 
and I wanted to get better at it too. Um, and so eventually, you know, I kind of developed my own style, you know, without a band. And then the style really developed once we I had a band with the guys in Wolves. So, yeah, that, that's pretty unique. Usually, it's you know when you're in a room with other people's when that kind of is like, okay, now I know how my guitar sounds with drums in the back or bass or vocals. But you actually, you know, are writing songs already. Were there you know bands or specific albums that kind of influenced you during that time of writing to even help you kind of understand that you could kind of do that, you know, without a band? Because I know when I got into music and started playing, you know, I was like, okay, I can play tabs or like play along to stuff. But I don't know if I had the same mindset of like, you know, I can write stuff. I kind of just assumed, well, you need other people to do that. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Well, what were some of those albums that maybe kind of influenced or shaped, you know, you that that writing during that time? Um, so I guess kind of like the trail was um, I I was. Uh, because I, I'm from New Jersey, so I'm you know from the Northeast. So a lot of the those like Northeast bands, like Thursday, um, you know, like Taking Back Sunday and Brand New, uh, and those those bands I got into before I got into uh, heavier music. Um, but what they were doing was really like none of it was complicated musically, um, but there was uh there was character and personality and passion and that's what i really connected with and then through those bands i found um i remember finding um thrice's identity crisis and then i only was able to get my hands on like a couple songs that i like pirated and then when illusion of safety came out because my record store didn't have identity crisis then illusion of safety came out and i bought that record at the at the record store and that was really what made me feel like this is this is everything i've loved about music Mm. um you know i've always i'd always let you know like i told you i grew up listening to metallica and green day and there you have like a band that's aggressive and they're both aggressive in their own right um, but very very melodic too so that was when i heard thrice and i also grew up you know loving nirvana as well again a band that's just kind of aggressive but has just uh, this incredible knack for melody and so those were the things that i really i really clicked with and so that was when things really took off and i wanted to find a way to make music that sounded like that or made me feel that way and uh yeah there's just like a you know a uh, chronological order of bands that came after those bands that helped keep developing it like uh as cities burn um the receiving end of sirens um Seosin was a band well before that well yeah Seosin, and then after that was um circus survive um and it's just like i mean you probably recognize yeah, yeah. The, tra- the trail and it's the same for a lot of guys um yeah but amidst all that like i'd love bands like jimmy world too that's probably one of my top five you know favorite bands um that have influenced me so all those things together just started kind of teaching me what i was really liking about music yeah yeah and and i love hearing that and one of the things i i love about wolves at the gate and even talking with someone like you i mean i I do a lot of, of interviews with more kind of like skate punk bands or you know 90s punk 
And uh, I love that stuff, but I mean, it's a lot more straightforward. And so it's cool hearing these influences where there's a lot more layers and dynamic to it, which is, is very clear, you know, when you listen to Wolves at the Gate and, and uh, you, you can kind of almost draw different types of influences because there's, you know, kind of more opportunity, right? If you're playing, you know, just fast skate punk, which I love. There's almost only so much you can kind of draw from, uh, but yeah, with a band like Wolves of the Gate, like, like all these bands you've mentioned, right? They they're kind of in the same you know genre, so to speak, um, but with a lot of different layers to it, and um, yeah, just lots of different backgrounds and that. So that's yeah, cool to hear some of those bands that were influencing you, and I know you guys covered some of them on your covers EP a number of years mm-hmm. ago. Like yeah, I loved when you guys did uh, Deadbolt by Thrice. That was such a a good one for you guys to do, and. And, uh, yeah, definitely a, a great fit in that, but yeah, that's, yeah. I always just like to kind of start seeing where, where kind of people come from and, and the different types of bands and perspectives that are kind of pouring into them and how that shapes, you know, the current music you're making. So kind of moving to, towards more Wolves of the Great uh, material in, in September, 2011, the band signed to Solid State Records. How did that relationship come about? And what was that process like? You know, you started playing with the guys and kind of how did that all weave into more of something more? Uh, kind of specific like okay this is the band we're doing we're moving ahead we really want to make this happen um i think it was it was just a lot of fun um you know uh we were really enjoying what we were doing um you know we we started the band in a sleepy college town you know where like the the town only exists because the college existed it was cedarville ohio and uh so when we started the band I, I we would just have house shows at my house in college and literally just packing uh absurd amounts of people in and uh so that created a lot of excitement for us because we thought we played one show and we thought like oh, okay they just all wanted something to do and you know it was just rowdy and fun and then we did another show and then it was like twice as big and we couldn't fit people in the house and we had to go find somewhere to play in town, you know? And so um, it was cool to see things grow that way. And then we started developing, yeah, like really what we wanted to sound like, which was fun and exploring that. And uh, honestly, I don't know how we got in touch with uh, solid state, but I, it was definitely, so our, our first EP we released ourselves. Um, and, uh, I think that's how they, um, they heard about us cause we'd put out the EP and put out some music videos that we, you know, um, that we financed ourselves. And, um, I think that's how they, they heard about us and reached out to, we had a, a manager who was just the local guy who was helping us learn and, uh, figure out how to function in the music scene. Cause we had no clue. Like I said, my first band was when I was 21, you know, so I didn't even understand local scenes. I only understood it from going to shows and mm. stuff like that, but never as like a guy in a band. So yeah, they just hit us up and we had other label offers as well, but we were happy when they came, um, they came to the table. Um, cause we've just liked the bands that they've put out. Um, and so the, really it was the A&R at the record label that sold me because I just, I liked him as a person too, which I felt was going to be super important relationship. 
Yeah. And at that point, did you guys already have kind of long-term career goals or was it just let's get signed and put out an album and kind of see what happens? Or was there kind of commitment of we're doing this, we're going to tour and kind of do this as long as we can? I think it was, uh, you know, we definitely, we kind of had dreams that it could be a possibility. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we all were, we all were working normal jobs. You know, I, graduated college and had a degree in teaching and I was teaching high school history. And, uh, um, so just kind of following, you know, that path in tandem with playing music because I was passionate about it and just always had the thought of like, yeah, if that opportunity presents itself, I'm going to go take it. So. Yeah, that's clearly been a, been a good decision as it's been, you know, quite a long time since that that first album came out already so that's yeah that's yeah. awesome and that you know when you kind of go in kind of with hopes and dreams and then it's like okay now we actually kind of have a music career and i yeah, i always just love kind of hearing about that process because it seems like a lot of the time it is just kind of a well we're going to hope for the best we've got this opportunity let's see what happens and and mm-hmm. that's what, what's great about this kind of music is like you can have those opportunities and uh, yeah, that's awesome. So now I asked you to share five of your favorite Wolves at the Gate songs. Uh, in your mind, what makes a Wolves at the Gate song stand out? Like, what makes you really excited about one of your songs? <laughs> what makes me excited about one of our songs? Yeah, like uh, when when you're creating, like maybe that's kind of a weird question because you, I mean, you're gonna like every song you write, but I mean, yeah. I've, I've been in a band as well, and. You know, there's certain kind of songs that you gravitate towards. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Like, what makes you really gravitate towards, you know, the songs that you picked, just kind of generally speaking? Well, I, so, yeah, so when you, yeah, when you gave me that that question to come, come up with a list, it was so hard because, yeah, there's so many angles you can come at it through. But the ones that I picked I were songs that I felt like um, best – uh, represented what I was because you know like you get a when you have like a small like kernel of an idea just this tiny little thought maybe it's a a little guitar lead or a vocal melody or a lyric and it gives you kind of like oh wow I can see what this can be but it's not done yet you know um, yeah. those songs those songs so uh, they all kind of did that in different ways um, and uh and so that's what's exciting for me is when I feel like I can actually realize the idea because there's lots of songs that it's like that, you know, that we've written and we've put out and I, they're definitely feel like the best that I could do, but I'm like, man, it doesn't, it doesn't, it didn't click as much as some of these other songs. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's what I was kind of getting at, like what really uh, clicks or, well, and especially with a band like you guys, where there's, you know, a lot more dynamic to it. Like you've got just kind of straightforward, heavy songs. You've got some that kind of are a bit more atmospheric and a bit moodier. And, and so I was just kind of curious, like when you think of it, you know, in your mind, like what is kind of the classic Wolves of the Gate sound? And, and maybe that's too kind of broad of a question, but I guess these songs that you picked and, and you sharing about, you know, how they've kind of clicked and how you have that idea and it turns into something. Cause lots of songs, you know, maybe it comes just really naturally and it's like, Oh cool. That's a cool song. Bang and track. Kind of good to go. 
And that's not that's not a bad thing if, if it's a good yeah, song, yeah. but just sometimes, you know, where there's more of a process to it, or like you said, you have this idea, and then you all kind of come together, and it's like, it just kind of feels a bit more life-giving, or like, okay, yes, that's that's a Wolves of the Gate song. We all kind of put our heads together and, and create this thing, and so, yeah, maybe maybe that was kind of too too broad of a question, but I was just curious from, from your standpoint, kind of what comes to mind but yeah well, let's talk through some of these songs that you picked and get some more insight on that so the first one is off the album five by five released june 10th 2014 and the song that you picked is the bird and the snake the
So this was your second full length on Solid State. What kind of what had you guys learned since Captors that had kind of helped to shape the writing and recording of this album? Uh, the biggest education we got was touring on an album for two years. You know, um, you learn a, a lot about your music playing it. You know, <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. You know, in those two years, probably, you know, uh, a couple hundred times. You know, <laughs> um, and we just started realizing things that didn't, you know, cause so, you know, I, I would write a song and I, I learned how to record a long time ago cause I couldn't get anybody to join a band with me basically. So yeah. I had to figure out a way to like, yeah, to hear all my ideas. Um, you know, we'd play it, you know, in, in our drummer's basement and then you get out and when you start playing it night after night, things start sounding a little bit clearer. Um, what isn't really translating um, live, maybe what things people aren't latching on to as much as you thought they would. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's because, uh, yeah, it's just, it's not the right, it's not the right vibe or you're trying to do too much. And so we just learned a lot about like through live music. Um, we want the songs that we record to f- have that same impact live as they do on the recording because you know what it's not that we were recording things that we couldn't play but you know when you're the when you're the opener of five you know and you don't you can't afford a sound guy and you know you really are just like plug and play you know there's a lot stacked against you and so we just wanted to be able to make music that we felt like um wasn't inhibited by all of those um things perfectly aligning basically having the right sound guy x y and z so um yeah i think that was like the big lesson we learned um and also like giving space you know um giving space like letting i've explained captors this way captors was everything all the time uh and we needed to start peeling back some of those layers and just kind of letting the song speak for itself and not busying it up with unnecessary things you know yeah yeah i mean it's such a unique dynamic that you know bands have going to seeing what works live um because that's i think that's something that a lot of people don't really understand is you know you create these things that sound good in a room or you know where you can kind of stop and start again or whatever but when you're playing live you know over and over again like you gain so much and so i always love hearing kind of how a first album or a first you know tour cycle or a year or two touring how does that shape a band because it can kind of you know go so many different ways and and i've really felt you know in these last few years of covid where you know either new bands have come out or a band puts out an album and they just don't really get to tour it like i think of even a light worker on solid state um awesome band love their last album and it's like you know they get to do a few kind of short tours and now they're already working on their next album and so I, I just, I just always kind yeah. of think like, oh, I wonder, you know, they don't, they kind of got robbed of that experience of like, what do the people really like? What really works well live? You know, what songs do we want to play two hundred times in the next year? What we don't, and yeah. and so it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a lesson that you know it's invaluable. You, you don't necessarily want to slog all those miles, but really that's the only way to do it, and that's what makes a band better and stand out. So that's a, a good insight. 
So yeah, let's talk about uh, the song "The Bird and the Snake." Uh, this is a longer song. You know, it seems to hold a lot of weight um, emotionally, musically, lyrically. What was the thought process like going into the song, and, and why does it impact you? Um, I've always loved when, um, yeah, like the the bands I love told a story with the song and the music, um, and you just you just feel like you're locked in listening to the vocalist and the music is literally like the soundtrack to like a movie almost. That's what it feels like almost like the singer is the narrator and the band is, yeah, basically doing the, the sound design for what you're picturing. And that's really what I wanted to do with the bird and the snake. And I I came up with the story concept. Um, Honestly, I, 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 I think I think what happened was I like woke up in the middle of the night, which is very uncommon for me because I sleep like a rock. Ask mm. the guys in my band uh, <laughs> when I'm done. I'm, when I'm done, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just like woke up in the middle of the night and just had this idea. And so I quickly wrote it down. And the next morning I just started, yeah, like tr- trying to write music that I felt carried that emotional weight. And really the song is, this song's got a, a, a few layers, but, you know, it's kind of an allegory about um, like addiction or or sin. And I think the thing that I haven't liked about music a lot of the time is when people wrap things up in a pretty bow because not mm. everything is. Yeah. Not everything has a happy ending. And a lot of our songs, you know, we we really want to talk about the hope of the gospel, but there's another reality that is just as much real. And so we wanted to write a song. Well, I wanted to write a song that, yeah, really kind of expressed the heavy reality in that sense. And it's basically like this idea of this um, this bird who's tired of um, working for his food and um, the snake approaches him and basically says, like, hey, I'll give you a worm every day if you just give me a feather. And so the bird's like, yeah, that's not a big deal. And then eventually the bird gets, you know, conditioned to the snake providing its food. And then the snake says, you know, now it's going to be one worm, but for three feathers. And, you know, the bird's like, oh, it's still, it's a good deal. And um, basically the snake ups the ante again to six feathers for one worm and uh eventually the snake takes so many feathers from the bird that when the snake goes to uh devour the bird the bird has no wings to fly away Mm. and it gets eaten and that's the that's kind of the i'm sure you can see kind of like the the allegory or the metaphor and and so we wanted the song to kind of follow that same sort of arc and so it was a lot of fun and it was hard um, to try and figure out how to do that. But that was the first time I think um, that I wrote a song that I felt like I actually realized the idea of Mm. what I was trying to do. And it it felt a little surreal to be honest um, of like, Whoa, I think I actually accomplished what I was trying to do for the first time. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure that's a great feeling. And yeah, like it, it, it takes a lot to, to, um, like to write a longer song that has different ups and downs and doesn't lose a listener and keeps him engaged. And, and so, yeah, it was kind of cool. You picked, um, a few kind of longer songs. Cause I'm always, again, with 
kind of coming or growing up punk or listening to a lot of punk like a lot of that is you know kind of faster to the point and so it, it sometimes it takes like effort to like okay this is a six minute song or five minutes like i gotta put the time in and and listen to it but yeah there's there's so much weight to it and and uh yeah i, I really love that that meaning behind that and that's a really cool way to kind of portray it so yeah that's awesome yeah, the next one is also off of 5x5, Five Five, and this is the song, The Father's Bargain. And I love it. It's so big, so without bounds, that he would come. He would want, that he would want to do so much to rescue people who wanted nothing to do with him. Who fought him even when he came to keep us from hell, Paul. What kind of love is it that sees us in our filth, comes to rescue us, sees us resist that rescue, but continues to rescue us anyway? What foolishness is this? That you would come over and rescue, and we would say no. Why? What are we gaining on my armistice? Oh, how glorious he is! He saw you like that and didn't give up.
this is the closing track on the album and another uh, longer song with lots of dynamic to it. Um, yeah, again, I'd love to hear kind of what, what went into this song and why it's meaningful to you. Um, so during this time, I, I was, I'd become, uh, you know, pretty dissatisfied with a lot of, um, I guess the way that the modern church was portraying the gospel or portraying, yeah, what, what grace really looks like. And so I just started diving into a lot of what, uh, you, you can call old dead guys, you know, um, <laughs> who I knew, uh, their opinions uh, weren't going to change because they were no longer living. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I stumbled across uh, this old like theologian, or his name is John Flavel, and he he's got tons of like writings and stuff like that. And um, I, I usually just try to go for like the shortest thing first to see if you know it's worth investing time in. And he had this short little like I guess essay he wrote called "The Father's Bargain," and he called it this supposed conversation between um, God the Father and God the Son um about um seeing man's need and and their agreement to um save mankind um through through Jesus's life and death and resurrection and i've never read something so short that made me like cry i mm. i cried the first time i read it cuz i just it was so beautiful the way that it was described and I, as soon as i read it i'm like this needs a song like mm, this cool. needs to be this story needs to be told and because it just it feel it feels like uh like a hollywood movie you know yeah. <laughs> um that may sound trite but that's what it felt like to me i'm just like this feels huge like and so um i man i spent a long time trying to figure out how to um we got practice uh, so like on captors, we, we wrote this song slaves where we're trying to like tell this story and we kind of like, I storyboarded it with Ben, our drummer or our bassist. Um, and, uh, that's where we kind of began. I, I kind of got the idea. And so for the bird and snake, I storyboarded the bird and snake of like where, how these movements work. So I knew where to put everything. Mm. And I did the same thing with the father's bargain where it's like, all right, what's the darkest point what's the what's where's the the climax where's the break where's the drop and and then kind of and for those two songs i wrote like the burden snake and father's bargain i wrote all the lyrics first because i knew it was it was most important for me to get that part right and then figure out a way to make the music work with that um which is really strange way for me to write music personally um i usually have a something i have a hook i have a guitar part this was just lyrics. And so I think that's why those songs are dear to me is the, the, the weight and the meaning and the emotion to it and the movements and all the work that I know I had to put into making it happen. Um, and yeah, those are two songs I'm, I'm definitely like really, really proud of um, that they're out there for people to be, you know, to benefit from hopefully. Yeah. Well, that takes so much creative energy to, to put a song like that together because you need to kind of have right when there's a story has so much impact or meaning or depth to it, right? You kind of have to have the different ups and downs that you guys do so well. So when you're reading a story like that, what's the kind of first 
piece of music that kind of hits you? You know, like when you read something like that, is it like, okay, I've got like a heavy part I want to put with this? Like you said, you kind of mapped it out. Yeah. How do you map out the parts with that? Or, or what's the first thing that comes to mind like that you want to put music to to a story like that? Yeah, so I guess I just, you know, there's a there's a there's a line in in um, the Father's Bargain essay, and I, I changed I changed the wording a little bit just because the language was confusing because they the, the language John Flavel used was bringing all of their bills, you know, like what they owe, and I changed it to sins because I felt like that would be easier to understand. But that was the line that I I, I was like, okay, this is that was the thing that crushed me really when I read that. And so I was like, okay, this, how can I showcase this concept properly? And that's where, um, you know, the concept of the essay is, it's called a, a supposed conversation between the father and the son. And so I knew at the beginning of the song, I wanted it to feel like a conversation. So there can't be a lot going on. Mm. Uh, it You need to like feel a mood, you know, and that's where I kind of, you know, like there's there's rain in the background in the beginning and it's not supposed to signify anything other than just to make you feel a mood, you mm, know. That's cool. um, and I just wanted the the most plain and simple guitar tone so that really all you're thinking about is what I'm saying and singing. Um, and, you know, so it's really just thinking about, yeah, what's most important? How do I tell the story and wh- what instruments can I use to help? do that you know and that's what's so fun about creating that kind of stuff is you know the piano the strings using using nick and his huge vocals you know to just to deliver something super powerfully and then i can kind of sulk back and do something super soft and so um yeah i mean that's kind of how i approach that if that made any sense yeah yeah that's yeah i i just love how how that can all come together, and again, you know, the time and effort it takes, because, I mean, lots of songs, you know, like you say, just you've got a riff, and it's like, all right, I can kind of take this, and that leads the song. But when you have so much of a story you're trying to input in that, too, like, it just adds a whole other depth that you're trying to kind of work side by side, and, right, it's like, okay, now this part, you know, of, of the story, the lyrics needs to match musically, and... So it's just it, it's just different, and uh, yeah, it, I, I love those types of songs that that kind of you know make you think, and there's some more time and effort you have to put into it, and yeah, it just makes me want to go back and and listen again now that I kind of have that background. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. The next one, the next album is Types in the Shadows. That was released November fourth, two thousand sixteen, and uh, the first song that you picked is Hindsight.
I feel like this with that with this album it kind of shifted a bit away from the more kind of metalcore sound of your previous albums and leaned into some of the heavier rock elements uh, without losing the classic Wolves of the Gate sound and energy. What was kind of going on in your minds during the the creative process of this album? What were you trying to accomplish with this? So yeah, like one of my one of my favorite bands is uh, is the Cities Burn, and um, I definitely feel like this record sonically you know was inspired by that sort of feel you know um also you know i'm a big fan of the deftones as well those were probably like the two bands that influenced me the most sonically while making that music um just because i felt like those were two bands that i was i loved so much but i felt like hadn't quite like entered um you know, I guess the influential structure of our music. Mm. And there's so many other bands that fall into that category that I love, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I just tried to lots of indie bands that I love. Um, and, uh, and also at the end of the day, I think the genre that I've listened to the most is rock, you know, those are the things that I connect with and probably the songs, even in heavier music, they're the rock elements that I've connected with, you know? So, um, I think that's how that kind of shaped that record. And also just wanting to make, you know, memorable, distinct songs. That's always what I've wanted to do is that each song be distinct. And I, I, I don't think that I've always done that well. Um, but it's definitely something that I've that really work hard at trying to do because I think that is something that's lost in heavy music is having distinct songs on a record. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why our records can maybe sometimes in, in people's minds be all over the place. Um, but I just think that's what makes us who we are to, you know, we're not saying we're a metalcore band. We're not saying we're really any band. We don't 
we don't know what to call ourselves, not because we think that we're like genre bending, you know, you know, savants. It's just because we're just influenced by so much music. Yeah, for Uh, sure. So. Yeah. And um, it it takes a lot of effort to, to be able to bring all those influences and kind of come out with something cohesive as well. What was mm -hmm. the creative process like for that with, you know, maybe, trying to write with some different influences or different sounds like was that a challenge or was everybody on board with that because i know sometimes you know that that can be hard where you know you kind of shifting you know whether it's what fans are expecting or what other other members in the band are hoping for mm-hmm. how did that all kind of gel together i think it was uh you know I, this was the first record that um our drummer abishai was on and he was in a band called the overseer oh, and yeah. I, yeah, I was a fan. I was a fan of their band. And, uh, and I think a lot of the ways that types and shadows sounded, um, was, I think for me, I was so glad to have ab in the band and, you know, I kind of knew where he tend to lean musically too. And so I wanted to create things that would excite him. Honestly, that's really what inspires a lot of the music is I want to make music that excites the guys in my band, you yeah, know, that's cool. they're my, they're my best friends. And so I want, when I make a song, like I want Ben to hear it. Like that's what I, when I'm working on stuff, I'm always like, Oh, I can't wait for this guy to hear this part, you yeah, know, yeah. Joey to hear this, or I can't wait for Nick to go like, Oh, I can't wait to scream on that, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, I think that's where the mindset was. And, um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a hard transition. The guys have always been there's never really been much pushback. I think because we just all like so much different stuff and a lot of the same stuff. Um there's at times the thought of like, oh wow, this is really different, you know. But I just always ask the question of like, do you like it? If mm. you don't like it, let's not do it. If you like it, let's put some work into it. Mm. So Yeah. Yeah, and having that creative freedom to do that is is so big, right? If everybody is kind of on board for just taking a song and seeing where it goes, like you said, if if they like it, then you can turn it into something, you know, that kind of fits the mold of your band, you know, in, in some regards. So this mm-hmm. song kind of, you know, especially leans more heavily on dynamic and atmospheric sounds than it does necessarily, you know, heavy driving guitars and vocals. Um, so, yeah, why does the song Hindsight stand out to you? Um, the song stands out to me, I think, because of how much it's resonated with, I I, I also picked up these songs because I think these are the ones that have resonated with our fans the most too. Yeah. Awesome. Um, You know, I I think they've, they've, maybe they're some of the more popular songs, but I think they might not, they, none of these songs. Yeah. The bird and the snake, it was like the last single on five by five and hindsight wasn't a single you know these are kind of the songs that we know our fan base is gonna like really latch on to um and the reason why i really like the song is um i I think that as christians we have um a real tendency and problem with kind of venerating people um and building people up because we want um an idol you know we want somebody to represent us or to like a leader a king honestly um we want to feel like we have somebody really cool that represents us and i felt like the disciples were always kind of treated that way 
as like, oh, yeah, Jesus' disciples, they were the apostles, they were these great guys. But if you read the Gospels, they were constantly being told by Jesus that they don't understand what he's talking about, that they're caring about the wrong things, that they're not caring for the poor and the sick. They're actually driving them away. You know, you have Peter. Yeah, and so the song is about Peter. And um, and the reason why I wrote the song about him is because when I look at him, I see a lot of myself. Um, somebody who, um, like Peter was really proud, you know, I, I really struggle with pride. Um, and Peter really thought he had all the answers. You know, he said things like, you know, even if everyone leaves you, Jesus, I will stay and I'll die for you. And he's the one that denies <laughs> Jesus in his, to his face yeah. in front of a crowd, you know, and it's a crazy story. And the reason why the song is called height called hindsight, because I kind of wanted to write it in a way that people would be listening to it and almost kind of saying the same sort of like haughty things that Peter said, and that they would go like, yeah, like I would never leave you. And then the realization hits and it's like, oh, he he betrayed Jesus in the same sort of way that Judas did, you know? Um, and he wasn't what he was made out to be. And it really, I wanted the song to illuminate the fact that um, grace is grace because it's undeserved. Nope, you know, that's what makes it so beautiful. You know, Peter wasn't a disciple because he was going to be the strong, you know, rock as people like to s misinterpret right. the text <laughs> <laughs> he was he was he was loved because he was loved that's it that's the only answer and because jesus chose to love him and that's that's what i think is so beautiful and i wanted a song that kind of told that story of peter kind of looking back going you know um yeah i i didn't really get it and i messed up a lot and yet there is a there is great love for me despite that and so, um, yeah, I just thought that was such a really, it was a really helpful thing for me that I needed for myself. Um, and so it felt really good to kind of have that out there for me. And then I was hoping that it would be really impactful for others as well. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, thanks for sharing that that insight. Yeah, it's always cool when, when something resonates with you enough to, you know, the, whether it's a story like that from the Bible or, you know, something totally different, right, where it's you can kind of put yourself in it and, you know, there's enough similarities and and then you can kind of create this new piece of art that can maybe carry other people, you know, whether they know that story or not. There's mm -hmm. still something they can pull out from that and kind of help them on their journey right wherever they're at. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. the last album we're going to touch on is your upcoming new album, Eulogies, out March 11th. What was the creative writing recording process like uh, for this album? Was there anything different from the last or was it uh, fairly similar? Um, it was a more refined and organized version of the last record. Um, we we self-produced Eclipse, the last record, and we learned a lot through that process. Um, and uh, we've always kind of had our hands in recording and engineering um, but this was the first time we did a full length. We've done EPs before, you know, DIY. Um, but so that was 
a little little daunting for Eclipse. We just learned a lot. And the thing that I really love about recording myself is uh, um, I think I'm a lot freer to be me um, yeah. and, and not having somebody tell me what's me. Um, and I think that's the hard thing is it's not that I don't trust producers, but I, I've just logged so many hours with like these songs that I know what I want my voice to do. And I feel bad, like making a guy sit there and it's like, let me do this like five more times. Yeah. You know, when he's just like, no, this is good. I'm like, I know it's like good enough, but like, I want my voice to do this because it's going to, it's going to evoke this. I think it'll help evoke this emotion or highlight this lyric more. Um, and so, yeah, I think, and it's also, I, I think it does leave more room for, um, being a little more wrong engineering wise in the right ways, like yep. not doing everything perfectly, you know, or pristine. Um, especially because I demo out all the songs and so, and I'm not trying to track them like for an album and so often I just end up using a lot of my demo stuff because it just has that energy, you know, yeah. that rawness, that, that in the moment creativity. And I've tried so many times to re in the studio to recreate what was in the demo. And I, it's hard because like the producers at times will say, well, you just have demo itis. And I'm like, no, I just think it's objectively better. Like, you know, because I spent four hours on this, like, a tone and effect and we just spent four minutes you know in the studio just tweaking a couple knobs so it's nice to yeah i don't i don't have a problem with putting some of those demo tracks in there even if the guitar is not perfectly tuned or you know um so yeah i learned a lot through that self-production process and the writing process has always kind of been the same. You know, we were obviously we were on lockdown and we were writing the record, but we'd been writing songs through Dropbox for years. Mm -hmm. um, just file sharing, sending voice memos to each other. Um, so many of my our songs have come from a voice memo in my iPhone. So, um, yeah, so not much of that changed, really. Um, we've just kind of gotten better at it, thankfully. Yeah. Was there anything like specific inspiring the songs this time? Or I mean, maybe that's hard when it's, you know, so ongoing and you're, you know, you're spending a year or two writing, but I'm just mm -hmm. always curious as if there's something that kind of sparks, you know, cause I mean, you guys have been around for a while. You've put out a handful of full lengths and uh, someone just curious is if there was any, anything yeah different that kind of stood out about this time than others, or is this just kind of a, a new collection of songs? So, Going into every record, I always, I I do the same sort of thing where I I always, I've bought a new re a new guitar for every album cycle. Oh, nice. Um, and and you know some of the you know some of the guitars. I think I've kept most all of them, but I buy a new one each album cycle because I just want a different sound. Because you know mm -hmm. how it is. Like, what what instrument do you play? Uh, mainly drums, but I play guitar as well. Okay. So like, and you've been behind different kits that have different snares. You know how different yeah, snares yeah, sure. can sound. Like, and even just how it's tuned sometimes, right? Like, yeah. like if it's if it's springing back on you real hard, or if it's kind of dead, it kind of informs the way that you play, right? Yeah, yeah. Like the cool. instrument kind of 
tells you how it wants to be played in some senses. It sounds really like artistic, but uh, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I totally get it. So, yeah. So I try to do that just so that my brain gets tricked and I don't go back to things that are, you know, maybe natural or comfortable. And um, that's what always kind of sparks new ideas for me. Um, you know, I'll like, I'll reset all my knobs on my amp. I'll buy a new pedal, you know, get some new pedals. Um, I get all sorts of different like synths and different sounds. I just want to get something that I, I've never touched before and then play around with that. And that, that discovery is inspiring. And um, I, I really like dug into that in Types and Shadows and I realized how helpful that was. Um, and so I've just tried to do that every record subsequently, um, which has been really helpful apart from honestly, the, the instrument that's done the most for me is my acoustic guitar, just sitting mm. and playing with that. And that's, what's written probably some of our catchiest songs. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of my process. Yeah. Anything kind of specific you're hoping listeners will walk away with after listening to the new album? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think something that's happened in music or, or probably has been happening for a long time is, uh, you know, people just tend to categorize, uh, bands and say they are X and so they should do X. And that's just not how I ever listen to music. I just list like, oh, this is this album and I'm going to listen to this album without any expectation, you know, because you know, we're probably the same age. I'm, uh, or in the same age bracket. I'm 35. How old are you? Uh, 38. Yeah. So when we were growing up and listening to music, you didn't really, you were lucky if you heard like a single before you bought yeah. an album, Yeah. you know? And so you didn't have a preconceived notion of really what it was going to be. You had some idea, but like maybe from a comp or something, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> listening well, to a yeah. demo or yeah. yeah. Yeah, or you saw them live, you know, and and so I, I think I do I I do miss that. Maybe maybe it's nostalgia, maybe it's not, but yeah, I hope that people will approach it in that sort of way. It's like I'm just going to listen to an album, not listen to whatever genre people want to classify us as as metalcore or post hardcore or whatever um, that genre is. Cause I think that'll give them the best opportunity to enjoy really what we worked hard on doing, which is just putting together a, a diverse album per se. So, yeah. Yeah. And I love that because I am still hugely an album person. I very rarely listen to just a single of a band and especially with a band like wolves at the gate, like there's so much to an album that a listener is really, uh, missing out on something if they're just, you know, listening to the singles. And, and I, I get that's where things are at these days. And, you know, there's all sorts of playlists, and that's great exposure for you guys. Um, but, yeah, that's that's great if they're, they're, you know, someone's willing to sit down and listen from start to finish and really get an understanding of what a band's trying to accomplish. So, yeah, I hope that your fans um, are the type that, that are willing to do that. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, the first song that you picked. So it's Shadows.
this is the opening track. And uh, yeah, this is a beast of a Wolves at the Gate song, killer song to open up the album. Immediately grabs the listener's ear, which I absolutely love. And uh, another thing that I love is the different dynamics, the ups and downs of energy, and there's a lot of that in this track. Uh, so why is this the favorite for you, and how did uh, it become the the opening track of the album? Uh, probably there's like a, just a couple simple things. So the the bridge of the song where it drops out and says uh, face the you know it starts by saying face the sun um, and the shadows will all you know fall behind um, that whole section of the song was um, that chord progression and that melody I wrote in like 2005 hmm. um, and I'd always loved the melody and the chord progression and the emotion in all of it and I could just never find a song that it fit with like I'd written a song that it went to but the rest of the song was trash mm-hmm. uh, but that part was good and so it was so and a lot of our songs have those sorts of things but I, I just love that you know uh, I don't throw out anything because I never know if it could work um, yeah that's good and so yeah I love that 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 song has that moment and that that moment is from that that thing that I wrote a long time ago um, and uh yeah, but also, yeah, I guess the uh, the um, yeah the reason why I like the song the most is uh, one of the tracks I like to highlight is uh, the the concept that was inspired by. I don't know if you're familiar with Plato's allegory of the cave. No. Uh, um, it's basically it's this idea of like truth versus belief. Um, okay. And that's what Plato's kind of um wrestling with or causing his readers to wrestle with and this idea of these uh these guys that are prisoners and chained together and somebody uh and there's like a fire behind them and they're like doing like finger puff finger puppets behind the the uh, behind the the prisoners that are casting a shadow on the cave and that's all they know of reality is these shadows so they think that's real you know um somehow one of the prisoners is able to break free and because all he's ever been looking into is the dark and the shadows he's like blinded when he sees the sun um and goes back to tell the other um guys the other prisoners that it's like this isn't reality you know like this this is just a shadow of the reality they see that his his sight is blinded and they're like well i don't want to get messed up like you so i'm just going to stay in the cave Hmm. um and uh i kind of took that concept because i when i read it um i was i was really struck by the fact that i I felt like i was like i know exactly what that feels like Uh, because i i I grew up in a, a christian home but the way that i was interacting with what i claimed to believe was much like the prisoner's in the cave, just looking at shadows, thinking that that's the reality, but I'd never actually like looked at the, the source of the light basically. Um, and, um, and so that's what the song's about. And yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a really, uh, emotional song for me. Um, just to think about, cause there's, there's, it's somber in some senses, but there's also so much joy, um in the song at the end that i just feel like so well communicates how i feel um so that was uh 
yeah, that's why I picked that song. Yeah, well, it's awesome. Yeah, and I love how you draw from, you know, just things that maybe are different than, you know, than I would draw. Well, I'm not, I'm not a, a lyricist or a writer or a creative type in that way. But yeah, it's just really interesting hearing how you take something, you know, an old piece of writing or scripture or something and can just give it, you know, kind of a new life and a new perspective. So I love how you're able to do that. You know, what's interesting is it was actually, I, I'd never read that the allegory before, but I saw a painting of it. And this was the first time, this was the first time that I was ever inspired musically by a painting because hmm. I was just like, I just looked at it and I was like, this is like, this is telling a story. Like this, like, this has to be a song, but I didn't really know. It was telling me so, so much in the painting that I went to go read the allegory that I was like, yeah. And so I'm really excited to step into the next album cycle. And I'm just going to, I've never been somebody who looks at paintings, but I'm like so excited to just start going down that rabbit hole and see what that inspires, you know? Yeah, well, that's 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 really cool. You mentioned that my wife is is an amazing artist and painter, so maybe I'll have to. Uh, and she, there's a lot of depth and different elements to her art, so maybe I'll have to share that with you. And oh yeah, just be curious please. to see uh, what you think of that. But yeah, and then the last song is "Silent Anthem."
So this is the final track on the album. A very dynamic track. I don't often you know, get the final tracks on albums as favorites, but I, I do love a great closing track. And this definitely hits the mark on that. I also like that you picked the opening track and the closing track. That's cool. The kind of, you know, the thing that, that starts the album and ends it. I, I just really like that. So what kind of went into the creativity of this song and why does it impact you? Um, so the, I, the lyrics to this song are probably some of the most unique lyrics that we've written and maybe it may not appear that way to some people i guess at the naked eye but um it is for me because i've never really written a song the songs about our band in some senses um uh you know being a christian band um well we vote we are christians and we play music and there's that whole debate of we're Christians in a band or a Christian band or right. whatever <laughs> that is. Um, I'm not interested in having that conversation, but um, you know, you, you know, you get labeled as something and, but people don't really, I don't think a lot of people really understand what that is. Right. Um, I think because it's become kind of a caricature in the music scene, unfortunately, because there's a lot of, I, I would say there, there have been a lot of, christian bands that have proven themselves to be disingenuous and have used it as a marketing tool um and and i understand sort of the you know disenfranchised uh, people being disenfranchised with um the idea of a christian band uh, it's like oh you're pushing your religion and this and that or you know and so the song's kind of about that idea and the things that we've been told as a band it, like being in the music industry um, things that we should do or things that we should not do. And I tried to just sort of write that story in a metaphor. Mm, yeah. Um, and cause it's, it, it's, it, it's such a strange thing for me because, um, yeah, I've always found it so odd that I, I know one of the things that people dislike about Christians or Christianity is this idea of them being fake. Um, or disingenuous or plastic um, or hypocritical um, and judgmental. Um, and the things that we were being asked to do as a band to have more success would have made us disingenuous and hypocritical uh, and fake. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically being told to not be who we are, you know, and our music is about, our faith because that is the most radical thing that has happened to me. Um, and so I always find it so strange, you know, if, you know, like w would somebody ever tell Dave Grohl to not write about the loss of Kurt Cobain? You know, right. that's the most, that's the most massive thing that happened in his life. You know, no one would ever dare say, you know, like you should just stop writing about that. Like you've already done that, you know, or it's yeah. too much. You know, or if some somebody loses a loved one or uh, somebody who struggled with addiction their whole life or, you know, somebody that writes about all their relationships, that's not ever said. But obviously, it, we've experienced it a lot being said to us. It's like, that's all you talk about. It's like, well, every artist is coming at things from an angle. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what has inspired our music. That's what made us want to, to play music and to write music. Um and so that's kind of what the song is about. You know, it's kind of this idea of like, 
you know, um, this is who we are. Um, we can't really, we can't change it because no, nor do we want to. Um, and, uh, it was, it was a little like, uh, it was kind of like relieving to write. It was something that, you know, we've kind of dealt with in the background a lot and we don't ever want to villainize anyone, uh, in the music industry, you know, um, or, or play the sob card of, oh, this poor Christian band told they can't be on this tour because they're Christians. Like, that's not, that's not something we, we want to be known for um, because it's not important. Um, and so we, but it did feel good to kind of get this thought off my chest a little bit. Yeah, for um, sure. And, uh, and uh, it's not a shot at the music industry. It's not a shot at anything. It's more so just a song about, um, yeah, what we experienced and, um, really why we do what we do as a band, um, that we're just so compelled by this, this grace and this love that has come to us, uh, by God through Christ, that that's why our songs are the way that they are. And that's why we are the way that we are. Um, and so, yeah, it was, just kind of felt good to <laughs> get that out there per se. Yeah. yeah and I, I love that insight because it is, you know, it can be a frustrating thing when, when you're told to stop writing about a certain thing. Yeah. I mean, it's such a silly thing, right? Like whether it's a straight edge band or vegan, like you just get punched in the face. Yeah. If you just said like, can you just not write about that? That's annoying. But for some reason that seems to happen more with faith-based bands or whatever. And maybe that's just because people aren't into the message or, or whatever mm -hmm. it is, but uh, again, uh, it's really cool how you can take those experiences, put it into a new piece of creativity, and and something that maybe will give people, you know, life or new meaning, or you know, maybe they'll dig into something, and and so that's uh, yeah, a really cool way to to end the album. So thanks for for sharing that. Yeah, so kind of to to wrap up here, what does the the upcoming year hold for Wolves at the Gate? What what can we be on the lookout for besides the new album in a few weeks here? Um, yeah, we're, you know, we're looking forward to, to hitting the road. Um, now that, uh, touring seems to be stabilizing a little bit. Yeah, um, I hope so. And, uh, so that's exciting to think about. And, um, you know, we also have, uh, we put together something we're really excited to share, um, that we, you know, we can't announce yet, but it'll, it'll be, uh, another way for people to enjoy, wolves at the gate live um so i'm sure that kind of gives it away anyway but uh yeah i'm excited to share that yeah no that's awesome yeah well thanks so much for taking the time to share uh, your heart and and songs and music and uh yeah i hope people go and check out this album there's a lot a uh, lot to it and uh yeah it's it's a great piece of work so thanks for all the time and effort that you put into it i know there's gonna be lots of people that are, are super excited to hear this cool thanks man 